You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 257 of the Comic Book Informer, coming to you at some point in April. We're late this week. Sorry, my internet exploded, but uh, how you doing, Raj? I've had internet, so I've been fine. (laughs) So can you hold it until the end of the show, or do you just want to rant now? I just woke up from a nap, so I'm actually pretty mellow right now. So oh, okay. I, I can hold it or I can rant now. The, the rant is there. I can yeah. feel it right I, below the surface. I was giving surface. you the option. I just didn't want the anger boiling beneath the surface to affect the rest of the show. In all honesty, I don't even have to. I, I, I'm i good with just progressing without saying anything. Other no, no, than... no. I, I want you to. <laughs> You're bringing out the beast. That's what you... <laughs> it's more fun when the old man is angry at something as long as it's not you. Exactly. It's all about deflecting that aggression. Well, let's wait until what we're reading then. Okay. Well, our actual discussion this week is something that's been boiling for a while and finally had a chance to look at it. And that is the latest Rat Queens storyline uh, running from issues 11 through 15, written by Curtis Weeb, art by Tess Fowler and Tamara Bonvillain. God, a lot happened in this story. I feel too much, actually. I agree. Because... Especially as the story was wrapping up, the last two issues in particular I found Mm -hmm. were far more disjointed and it didn't flow nearly as well. And it's not that it didn't make sense. It's just it was like a a movie. (laughs) It was like a movie that wasn't well edited. (laughs) (laughs) Gee, we know nothing of that. It's not like I'm going to be talking about that later either, but it just kind of bounced around way too much without a nice flow to it, which is something that this series has had since the beginning is just had this really nice flow of a, a comic book writer that knows how to write comic books. And that's important. And all of a sudden now it's like, what the hell is going on? It's bouncing all over the place. And I, I really didn't like it. Mm -hmm. This is something I'm noticing. Like what we see here, the scenes when all four of the girls are together are as fantastic as they've ever been the comic doesn't work as well once you start to split them up. And I understand it's important that they each have to have their own stories, but something like this where the vast majority of this story arc, the team wasn't together and it let it, it made him tell too much story than the page count would support, I think. I don't think that's it. I personally, I don't think that's it. I just think that he, either the story got out of hand. Mm-hmm. Or it just wasn't good to begin with, which is a possibility. Or just that, I don't know, he wasn't feeling it and it just didn't come out right. It could be any number of things. I don't think it's specifically because of the split. Because there were some instances of that beforehand that that still worked. But this goes above and beyond that. And also to the point of the characters not exactly behaving as they've been led to or as we've been led to believe they are Mm -hmm. their character traits it's just kind of the characters didn't always feel genuine to who they are and then the story bounced around so poorly in how it was put together there was a lot of different things i i honestly don't think it was just them parting ways at different points and splitting up kind of thing Yeah, there's definitely some points, especially in that last issue where I had to double back and make sure I didn't miss a page. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and quite literally, you double back and go, no, it's just crap how it was edited together, put together, told, I should say. So Mm -hmm. because the editor might have nothing to do with this and just the way that he wrote it. But yeah, it was there were points where I did the same thing back up and go, what is going on? What like there's a scene missing here. And sure enough, it's not there. Mm -hmm. Well, it started off good enough with the Rat Queen's mid-adventure 
you know, being imprisoned by a bunch of goblins. And I said, this is when the comic is truly at its best, when all four of the characters are together and they can play off each other throughout their adventures and misadventures. And after it, you know, the comic had been gone for you know, a few months as they took their break. It, it was so nice to have the team back together again, though. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's very much something that, again, for us as gamers can appreciate and mm-hmm. especially now that we're doing our D&D things in the Shadow Run, which, spoiler, just a little insert here, check out our last episode of For the Lore where we did our third episode of Shadow Run, which was spectacularly fun. And now that we're doing those, this is even more fun to read when it is that same thing. It's it's a session come to life. That's when it works. And, and those moments were great. Which, as a quick aside, and now I'm wondering if maybe this is tying in with the disjointed storytelling. Have you seen that uh, Curtis Weeb has been doing DMing uh, on Twitch and YouTube? No. Yeah, he's running two campaigns. Uh, one is uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and another one is called Gadfly. He describes it as a cyberpunk Firefly-type sci-fi <laughs> RPG. That kind of sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm wondering if he's you know kind of spreading himself too thin. But hmm. anyway... The main story that's going on here revolves around Hannah returning to the Mage University to find out what's going on with her father. Uh, As she understands it, he's been imprisoned for inciting a rebellion against the Council of Nine, the ruling class of the mages. And as she understands her father, that's completely against how he would act. But as we come to find out as the story develops, she didn't know her dad as well as she thought she did title trope yeah there is a lot of oh yeah in we find out when she was a kid after her mother was killed by the previous council uh he had raised her and set off of a rebellion of his own to take down that council and institute the council of nine which has now grown beyond its bounds and he wants to take that down as well there is a lot of stuff here that We've seen many, many times. And Rat Queens, in a lot of ways, is a comic that has thrived on how it handles these storytelling tropes. But again, this story didn't quite work out that way. I didn't think so. Along the way, though, man, so much other stuff happened. We're going to we're going to wrap back around to Hannah for the end. But each of the girls had their own little adventures. We have a lot going on with D. I loved the scenes with her brother when she's in, you know, that outer dimensional realm talking about what she learned in the previous story arc about her people's god Narigoth and, and interesting because her brother is an atheist but she's now proving the existence of something that you know her people have worshipped as a god a, a lot of that stuff I really enjoyed but some of that might just be because I love that type of you know storytelling no it was good and this is what leads me back to my point that the team splitting up and having different adventures on their own was not what the problem was because that stuff was great. I'm I'm not saying that the stories, it just the pacing of it. It it was, it didn't work. But for, for again, for her stuff that she had with her brother and whatnot was fantastic. I really enjoyed it a lot. Mm -hmm. I, I love the way they set it up that her people imprisoned this elder God eons ago. And the only way to keep it imprisoned is to, perform rituals in its name essentially worshiping it as a god so it's it's a weird twist on the the cthulhu type storytelling where typically the ones who worship the gods are the ones who want to free them and bring them out but no through their worship is how they're keeping it imprisoned it's a really nice twist on like i said it's a traditional storytelling trope but it works well in that rat queen's way yep and we also have a lot going on with betty uh, some backstory of her, how she was a member of this, what was it, a thieves guild, uh, the, the five monkeys, and now there's bounty hunters out for her. It, crazy stuff going on, but in typical Betty fashion, she pushes that all aside and goes on a rocket adventure with Violet. <laughs> I felt some of her reveals were forced as well, mm-hmm. which kind of was part of the overall problem that I'm having with a lot of the different things that it felt forced just shoved in to well, the bounty hunter showing up on her bed, like as a surprise reveal. Okay. But where, you know, at the end when she just kind of like blurts out yeah. the exposition, it was like, what? Yeah. 
Exactly. And you're like, oh, come on, seriously. So going back to my point of it felt very much at points where things were being thrown in just to make sense of the decisions that he'd made with different story arc elements. And I, I don't like that. But on the other hand, the rocket sled adventure to the Dragon Horde was this comic at its best. Yeah. I love the that that we come to find out. Oh yeah, the the dragon's treasure is you know just garbage to him. The real treasure is his hoard of candy. <laughs> just it's such so absurd. I can't help but love it. Yeah, yeah. And then we have some weird stuff going on with Violet and her new sword as well. Looking to see where they go with that. But as I said, it all comes back around to Hannah. This is really Hannah's story. And it really comes to a head once everybody gets back from their separate adventures and Dee's brother, Sanoa, confronts them with the truth about Hannah, how she made a pact with a demon when she was a student at the school and used that demon's power for her own purposes to the point where she got expelled from the school. And this is tying in what we saw in the last storyline when the town was under attack, when she tapped into that power and we first saw, you know, the reveal of her horns and all that But we've come to find out, you know, she's really been trying to repress that. She doesn't want to use it anymore. It was it was for her. It was a crutch just to get through, you know, her studies at school. And once she left the school, she didn't need it anymore. But she's still stuck with this deal she made and she's trying to rise above it. Good stuff there until we get to like the last eight pages of issue 15 where a whole lot of story happens way too quickly with – it, 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 it was weird because the girls were trying to be, you know, accepting of her and friendly in the way they are. They all have their negative sides, but, you know, they can put that together to to band together and rise above all that. But Hannah just completely goes off the deep end and tells them to go screw themselves and turns into a punk mage fire demon. <laughs> Having raised four teenagers, <laughs> I'm reading this, and it's very much a childish teenage conversation that mm-hmm. an adult would have with a teenager, where they're saying one thing, quite literally saying, I accept you for who you are. I'm all right with that. Now let's just work together and see what we can do. And the teenager is only hearing what they want to hear, what they feel they need to hear to be able to continue with this behavior that is not healthy or good for them. And it it's a disjointed conversation where it's almost as if the teenager is responding to something entirely different that was not said. And that's what this was. But she's not a teenager. No. So it didn't fit at all. And it bothered me. I'm reading this going, this is stupid. I know exactly what you're trying to do, but it doesn't fit for this character at all. She's a grown ass woman who wouldn't be behaving like a teenage punk or not even punch just this melodramatic bullshit of not listening and hearing only what they want to hear. And the whole bit about the whole point too, from like when she's, staring at herself naked in the the mirror where you're going like, A, that didn't fit. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. What? The, like, give me a break. And then the whole rebellious thing with the haircut and the different clothes and the behaving this way. And you're going like, seriously, you're turning in her into a melodramatic teenager who's having a little hissy fit. That's what this is about because that is a horrible ending and like you said too it was like it was way too soon she goes from being someone who's fighting against the demonic possession kind of thing and like you said just using it when she needed to as a crutch but it's it's something that's in the past to all of a sudden boom embracing it running towards it and you're going like well that makes no sense it hasn't been long enough. It just makes no sense at all. I, it it wasn't just that I was ambivalent about this issue, the last couple, but especially the last one. I point blank thought they were poorly written. I didn't like it. See, I was fine with it until this last issue, and it, it, that just kind of 
threw it threw it all off for me. Like actually, and I enjoyed issues 11 through 14 a lot more reading them all at once as a reread for the show because you, you see the story play out in a little more and you can see how the scenes relate to each other. But yeah, this last issue and then like the stuff like <sighs> Betty goes from like crying and not wanting Hannah to go to two pages later being like, yeah, no, we're done here. Let, let's just go home. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Because yeah. like I, I love the dialogue from Betty in that one scene, like out of context with everything else that was going on. Like and, and Fowler's you, art of her Betty crying and tugging on Hannah's leg was fantastic in all the most heartbreaking ways. But just that again, and from another character, not just Hannah, that complete one eighty of yeah, okay, let let's just we're done here. It wasn't even her saying let's all like let's the three of us go and leave her. Yeah, it was I'm going. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, that makes no sense. It makes no sense. If you're trying to portray a character that's reached a breaking point and and is actually doing that, then there's parts missing in between those two scenes that, once again, we didn't get. So you're asking the reader to just say, oh, okay, I'll just make it up in my mind. No, no, it's your job to put it on the page so that it makes sense, and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And then we also had in the epilogue, the three of them are just happily enjoying their voyage home. Like nothing happens. Like that, that's your opportunity to show them like trying to deal with this, even if it's just one page. Like, I don't know if it was a misdirection from the art or if that's, you know, the instructions <laughs> that that we gave her. But it, it just didn't jive with anything that had happened. I again, I did not like this. Which is so disappointing. I know because this has been one of our favorite comics yeah. for the last couple of years. And when it's one of those things, when it's good, it's so good. And this is the first time we're seeing the other side of that coin. And it's not like it's been running for a while and we can just say, oh, this was a misstep. This is now a third of what the comic has put out. So it, it's a little disheartening. I really hope they can come back with the next story arc and redeem themselves. Yeah. All right, for what else we've been reading this week, all I have is the latest uh, miniseries for Dr. Mirage called Second Lives. I didn't think it was really worth an entire episode because, I don't know, there wasn't a whole lot going on. Like, it was interesting, but it wasn't as amazing as the original Dr. Mirage miniseries that we covered. I still liked it, though, because it revolved around now that, oh, God, I'm forgetting the guy's name, uh, her husband. (laughs) (laughs) his spirit is back. He still doesn't have a body. And this involves them trying to, you know, use various spells and rituals that they're aware of to return his spirit to a living form and finding out how incredibly wrong that can go when a malevolent spirit is trying to do the same thing. And they basically have to shut that avenue of magic down and realize that's not a way to go. So the story itself was cool. It was fun. It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't as groundbreaking as the original storyline, but something that I really enjoyed about this, and I don't want to say enjoyed like happily, but really appreciated would probably be a better way to do it, is there was a lot here that I found reflective of my own life with myself being in a long-term or long-distance relationship, with having somebody that's so close, you can talk to all the time, you can see all the time, but not being able to have that full connection. There were some scenes in here that kind of hit me pretty hard, and that was incredibly well executed. It was only a matter of time before that happened. I mean, that story setting of the long-distance relationship and the pitfalls therein, or not necessarily pitfalls, but just challenges, let's say. Yes, is fairly common. I mean, you see that all the time because it's a very real yeah, thing. But it, it's it's just so weird to see it in a ghost story. Like yeah. I would not have expected that from this, but yeah. it, the parallels are so similar. I don't know why I didn't see it beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, great stuff. It's still fantastic artwork, great characters. Uh, definitely go check it out from Valiant. Cool. And uh, I'm going to hand it over to you. Okay. Let's start off with the comic books and then end okay. on... A rant. Uh, first and foremost, the um, latest injustice. You're mm-hmm. obviously still keeping up with that. Yes, yes. I had. It took me a second to remember what it, what happened, but yes. <laughs> Superman lost his crap, I mean, and that's saying <laughs> a lot. <laughs> 
when we're looking at where we are with this series, I I really like this last one especially because again they they finally have been ramping up with the stuff with Catwoman and her actually taking off and and saying <laughs> that's it enough's enough and and it's one of those things where I'll give them credit it's true to the character as well I'm surprised she's lasted this long mm-hmm. because that's not her style it's not she she is a selfish character. I mean, she's a thief. That's her life. She goes, takes what she wants because A, she wants it. B, she likes the thrill of it. And it's all about her. So I'm surprised it lasted this long. And it is obviously because of Bruce. But she reached that point where it's enough's enough. And I love the stuff with Batwoman, especially with her as well. And trying to explain and try to keep her and try to explain that, you know, not only A, are you putting us at risk, but you're gonna die. Like there's no, <laughs> there's no if ands or buts about this kind of thing, and especially the stuff as well with Harley. We're kind of seeing the, the little bit of splintering with the team, which is bound to happen when they're put under that much pressure for that long and seeing everybody die, kind of thing. I'm, I'm surprised there hasn't been more of that instead of tightening of the group. So the stuff with Harley with the Joker Revolution guys, <laughs> yeah, was great. For a bunch of different reasons, not just because of Harley and her relationship with them and trying to kind of nurture and foster them in a way that's more productive. And then Batwoman as well kind of showing up. But then when Superman shows up and quite literally just essentially melts a group of people, (laughs) you're going like, you've done a lot of horrible things, but melting a group of people like this above and beyond, I think what we've seen so far, it's ramping up to what should be a fairly interesting. It's not going to be a climax. I don't know when the hell this is set to, to end. Well, cause, cause, cause here's the thing. We're not going to get a resolution. This comic is going to end where the video game starts. So it's going to be interesting to see how they wrap it up in a satisfying way without actually ending the story. I did they actually come out and say that, or is that As, just common sense? We're we're accepting that's what it's going to be. Well, I mean, I I didn't play the game, but I watched a video of the story mode of the game, so I can see all the pieces being put into place for exactly where the dark future part of the game picks up. I well, actually, I've played through the game not all of it obviously but mm-hmm. with my son quite a bit um i would not be surprised if if this there's, is, there's not enough issues left to tell the story of the game <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised if they veer off and they just kind of continue along with what the story would be regardless of the game and just kind of use it as its own canon at some point and just keep going with it as they would anyway I, mm-hmm. If it's doing doing well enough and successful that they could do that, that would be wonderful. Just let it break from the game. It doesn't need to be attached to it anymore and just kind of see where it goes from there. Because despite the fact that we're seeing some similar things as now has been happening for a couple of years with this, there's still enough that is a original and enough that's engaging because you really never know what's going to happen. Because anyone can die. And with the exception of Harley coming back, most of them are staying dead. So there's there's different it's stuff kind here. Of even, it's kind of hard to be upset about Harley coming back from the dead oh, because yeah. of the way she came back from the dead. I, I'm not disagreeing. But my, my point is just that there's still enough that I really enjoy the series because of the fact that Unless it's a, a dire circumstance or whatever, when someone is dying, that's it. They're gone. Mm-hmm. And that's not something we're getting in the other stuff from DC. So that's kind of cool. I like that. And it makes me really excited when the next issue comes out and I'm reading it and I'm justifiably worried that key characters can be killed off. So mm-hmm. I would really like to see them again split from the game and just keep running with this ball. I, I agree with you, but I still don't think that's what they're going to do. But what I would like to see is maybe an epilogue for the game as well. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Uh, latest Vader? 
Oh. Everything that we love about this series just continues to happen. Vader being unbelievable badass, insane battle scenes, and killer robots having fun. Triple Zero is about to do something very, very stupid and awesome, I think. <laughs> I want to see him rising up against Vader with an army. <laughs> I want him to take control of all the droids and just mount a force to go up against Vader. That would be awesome. Because when he's telling Vader his plan for the weird blood infusion thing, I mean, it's a perfect triple zero thing. And I was like, I I need to see this happen. (laughs) Do it. We actually need a a freaking mini series, just a mini series with those two. Just for for it should be the perfect companion to Rocket and Groot. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, latest saga. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, the last page of that issue may be one of my favorite last pages. There was actually a lot more in this that I enjoyed, oh. and then have been in the last few issues. There, it was a strong issue, but that last page was fantastic. Yeah. So there was again, there was a lot more in this that I. I enjoyed and moments also that I thought were that I thought were daring in the right way, not Mm -hmm. just the quote unquote daring by showing robots having sex or whatever you want to call it kind of thing. That's just a ploy to get people to buy the comic. No, this is daring and in a smart way that fits with the story and the characters. Like when the grandmother is making harsh comments towards the trans person and you go on like a harsh, but B it fits with the character as well, Mm -hmm. that that's who she would be. And that's what she would say kind of thing. And we've already had enough moments with that trans character that we like this character. And so it's like, Ooh, Hey, I don't like that. But I can see how it makes sense for her that she would say that. So, yeah, it was there were moments that I really enjoyed here quite a bit. And and, and that was good. And the racism as well being tossed in <laughs> in a funny way. Yes. But still saying a lot of the same things that we hear in our own mm-hmm. world. So, yes, it's ridiculous that TV heads look different. But again, What's being said is true. So it was, I really enjoyed this. It was actually a really good issue. Yeah, it it, it was really strong. Because I think this is the the last issue of this arc before they take their break again, right? That I don't know. I I think it might be, which things are definitely moving quickly at this point. And we're seeing just how far uh, the parents are willing to go to rescue their little girl. And it's exciting. It's fun. It's interesting. I, I love it. Okay, (laughs) so I saw a movie. (laughs) I think I feel I was a little too nice to it. You were way too kind. That's exactly what I was going to say. Because like, it's funny, like after we had finished, like after we hung up, I was like, oh, man, I forgot to talk about a whole bunch of other stupid stuff. (laughs) I just got fixated on a couple points and forgot about everything else. I I actually it was funny because after. We finished watching it, the wife and I. Um, I went on a little bit of a Twitter rant. <laughs> Indeed you did. But I had to. <laughs> <laughs> you, needed an out, you needed a valve. <laughs> These things had to get out of me and people had to hear them. And it's funny because, and I, and I said it on Twitter and I, and I said it to several other people. I really, I, I went into this with an open mind despite everything that I'd read and heard. And there were, again, like I said, the majority of the people did not like this, but there were a few that were very, very vocal. And a few of them that were vocal of those, a few of them were vocal to the point of, if you are complaining about this, or if you don't quote unquote, get it, you're an idiot. Did you see that article I linked? I guess it was last week. I think it was from the New Yorker or whatever about how if you don't like Batman's BVS, it's because the movie's too smart for you. 
No, I didn't read it, but that's oh. essentially I, what I. While heard you're some talking, I'm going to link it to you in Skype. <laughs> It'll just get me mad. Because uh, I, <laughs> I heard other people talking about this and saying the same thing. One who's been very vocal is Aisha Tyler. He's been very, very vocal on Twitter about this, that if you don't like it, you're an idiot and and whatnot. And she's just one. But there, there's not a lot, but there are a few that are very vocal about this movie. Um, and again, I went into it with a noble mind of maybe I will like it. Now, that said, though, as opposed to you, I really did not like Man of Steel. I really did not like Man of Steel. And so I did not think that I would like this because of that, because if it has a lot of those same elements, I'm not likely to enjoy it as much again, though. Let's go in with an open mind. This was horrible. Now there there's just, there aren't enough words to say just how bad it was and everything that was bad. It, it, it wasn't just that there was a few things that you could point to and say, this was wrong or this was bad or this was poorly done kind of thing. The entirety of the movie had issues with it that I found had issues with it. Everything, everything from the writing to the directing, to the acting, to the, the everything, everything. Okay. I mean, the sound wasn't, wasn't bad. The score, (laughs) although I mean, dramatic music for everybody. It just, I honestly don't know where to start with 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 a rant. I I did when I was doing my my Twitter rant, but right now I'm like I'm at a loss of. How, okay, how about part what, that I forgot? What was so the bad fact that the the central point of the story revolved around Bruce and Clark's moms having the same name? Well, see, <laughs> the thing here is that when you name a movie Batman versus Superman you have to expect there's going to be a fight. Now, we've talked about these stupid, tired, superhero fight tropes many, many times, and that's because the big two constantly want to make their heroes fight each other. And it's annoying as all hell and stupid. For this, I was thinking, okay, well, let's just look at it for what it is. Because... The the beginning is well laid out when Affleck is seeing the destruction that Superman is causing and is losing people that mean something to him and whatnot. Okay, I can see why he would want to take him out. There's moments where Batman is not behaving like Batman. <laughs> no kidding. And it's one of those where I was willing to accept some of that because, again... It's a movie adaptation, and every time someone new takes the the helm, they got to tell their story. So it's like, all right, fine. So he's different from Batman, but whatever. Okay, fine. And so I know uh, it has to lead to a fight. Obviously, it has to lead to a fight. Not just freaking Batmobile bouncing off of Superman's calf. There has to be an actual fight where there's where Bruce has a fighting chance as well. Which again. As much as I, as much as, you know, you joke around and say, oh, Batman would take him because he's always planning ahead and things like that. That one little shove that he gives him that sends him flying back. (laughs) I keep going to damn you, Mythbusters. You have ruined so much (laughs) because of logic. And it's like, he's dead. His inner organs are liquefied right now. That's it. He's dead. There's no amount of suit padding that could save him. And that was Clark going to him peacefully to try to talk to him and work together and hitting him so hard that he'd liquefy his insides. The entire fight sequence, and I'm using, like, these are 50-story air quotes here, okay? The fight sequence was utter stupidity. All of it utter stupidity that we've seen elements before in different story arcs at different times in the comic books, certainly. So it's not like they can say, oh, it's pulling from canon. Yeah, yeah, shut up. It was stupid, horrible, 
did not make sense either. And the the ultimate conclusion is supposed to be Bruce killing a man, an alien, sure, but whatever. Not somehow imprisoning him, killing him. And well, as we saw throughout the movie, that wasn't something Batman had much of a problem. He with. did not have a problem with murderizing people. Let me tell you, because there, there are that the the car scene that you described it pales in comparison to other scenes where he is straight up just it, killing. Just that one stuck out to me just because of how malicious it felt. Oh, it was, but I mean, he the the thing too is, I mean. He is straight up shooting people. I mean, he has no problems with, well, actually, in this version, he has no problems with guns, period. They're just showing up all over the place where he's holding some kind of gun, even if it's just firing uh, something else. But it's, it's guns. But his freaking Batmobile, those guns on it are straight <laughs> up ripping humans to shreds. Okay, maybe not so much in canon with who Batman is as a character. And... And I actually, I'll get back to the dreams after because I'm still on the freaking fight scene. <laughs> that entire fight scene made no sense. Prolonged for no reason, just to make it a longer fight sequence. Like when he is spinning Superman around and plowing him through different parts of the building. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, A, utter stupidity. You know, you're not really hurting him. So come on. B, he woke up. He kind of brushed off the effects of the kryptonite pretty quickly before, okay? When he comes back and Bruce has that moment of, oh, crap, (laughs) what have I done? Which, A, made no sense and didn't fit with the character either. But then you're thinking... You're, you're, he repeats the same thing again. It's the same inhalation of kryptonite again, but he's dragging it out this time. And you're going, he's just going to, he's going to, oh, damn it. See, I screwed. I can't hold it in. He's just going to wake up again and beat you to a pulp again. So really get it over with. If you're going to kill it, kill him, get it over with. Then the whole bit with, again, Martha was so unbelievably stupid. Like, there's no other way to put it. It was so unbelievably stupid that it made Amazing Spider-Man look like a Nobel Prize winning laureate wrote it. (laughs) It was... it, It was... Completely nonsensical. It was, it, I don't know how else to say it. It was utter stupidity. Utter. Imagine how, being in the room when somebody said, I have an idea. That's, I keep going back to that. It's like <laughs> Bob keeps getting a raise for all of these phenomenal ideas that he brings to the table because. Again, they're in a room talking about this and someone is saying, okay, they're fighting. We got some great ideas for Bob for what's going to happen during the fight. Now we need to end the fight. And it has to be impactful. It has to maybe bring a tear to a few people's eyes. What are we going to do? Bob, I'm counting on you here. Come on. Don't let me out. Martha. Maybe he just says Martha. And that's it. Wow. Bob, <laughs> you deserve a raise. Like, <laughs> I don't know where you come up with this, but wow. And it, let's go back to the dream sequences, <laughs> which are so, again, poorly written and edited that they show up at points where it doesn't make sense. Well, and that was the other huge thing is they tried so hard to cram the whole larger Justice League thing into here. That made it even more disjointed. I'm not even talking about all of that. Well, that's what the, the dream sequence is leading to that, though. Yeah, but I'm, yeah, but again, it's the dream sequences just appear out of nowhere. They're not edited in in fashion where you're going to stop and say, oh, he's dreaming and this is it. No, it's just all of a sudden you're, you're, you're led to believe this is real. And doesn't quite make sense either. And the dream sequences are so long and have cuts 
to them that leads to different scenes that you're led to believe that this is real for far too long. Like when he goes on his shooting rampage, which straight up freaking kill. The only thing good about that scene was I loved his costume. <laughs> I'm going to say that was freaking <laughs> awesome with the jacket. That was like way cool. Let's do more of that. But, uh, and the goggles, but uh, straight up kind of murderizing everybody. And then cuts to him hanging and Superman showing up again. The moment you start introducing too many cuts, then it's part of the movie. It's no longer just a, a simple dream sequence. And it continues from there too, when you're seeing freaking flash coming out. And if you don't have the rights to a character, don't try to fake it. It looks stupid. It looks stupid. First of all, <laughs> Uh, okay. Just, oh, now I'm ramping up. Uh, okay. Now I got to get comfortable here. Hold on a second. <laughs> How is, now we know Flash can travel through time. I accept that. Now we, first of all, we have to accept this is the Flash. It's not somebody else. It's not, you know, this is the Flash coming back to warn Bruce. Okay. This can happen. But it's happening from within his dream. Yes. Last time I checked, Barry or any of the Flashes can't time travel back to someone's dream. So that makes no sense at all. At all. At all. Let's not even go into the fact that it's a freaking third-rate costume that's not supposed to look like him, but be enough like him that you'll figure it out because... A, my wife didn't figure it out, and we watch The Flash every goddamn week. Stupid. But again, in the dream, which makes no sense at all. Also, point number two. Why is The Flash warning Bruce about the events of injustice? What? How does that fit in there? How does that make any sense at all? He's warning him about Lois and when Lois dies, Bruce, everything that Bruce knows about or fears about Superman is going to come true. That's injustice. That's the events of injustice, which don't occur in this movie. <laughs> what, how, how did that make sense? Is that supposed to be how Justice League is going to start? Because if so... That ain't Justice League either. No, Justice League is going to start with Bruce and Wonder Woman sitting there watching YouTube videos of the rest of the Justice League again. Yeah, yeah, because that Fe- featuring sense. Aquaman very obviously holding his breath. Again, the entire scene with the Flash irked me so much that I'm sitting there going, "Come on, seriously?" Because again, from Injustice, which, I mean, most movie goers won't clue into that, but that's kind of what it was. And then the fact that it's The Flash, which not everybody's going to clue into, but, hey, it's The Flash. And then coming to him in a dream. And it was like, wow. And then sticking with what you're talking about, the the, the Justice League crap. (laughs) Tired old goddamn trope of the (laughs) villain having secret, again, Freaking massive air quotes here. Secret files on all of these powered people kind of thing. And horrible, horrible clips that were just stupid, stupid, stupid. And that why would he have them? (sighs) (laughs) Let's talk about Lex because I'm not mad enough. I am not upset enough. Lex, what, what's his name again, the dude? Um, Jesse Eisenberg. Eisenberg. I, I figured when they announced that he was going to take Lex on that it was a bad choice. But it's one of those, let's see what he does with it. It was a good choice for the god-awful version of Lex that was written for this movie. <laughs> I liked when he put the candy in that guy's mouth. <laughs> That was funny. Was not something that Lex would do. But it was funny and I enjoyed it. But everything about this character was not Lex Luthor. And again, I keep going back to you have to accept that these directors are going to do their interpretations. All right, fine, whatever. 
I'll just kind of let go and enjoy this. But there has to be some commonality between who the characters are and what you want to portray them as. You can play around with it, certainly, but if it's that far gone that it's an entirely different character, what's the point of calling them Lex Luthor? And this was just not Lex. I mean, at all. It just wasn't. And it was horrible. It was horrible acting for, I mean, it was good acting if you're portraying somebody completely different. Sure, maybe. But it just was horrible. And there's no re- rhyme or reason to what he's doing. Lex has had a purpose, always, that makes sense. You might not agree with it, but it makes sense because he's smart. <laughs> this guy wasn't. And all of the decisions that are made were just nonsensical stupidity. When he forces Clark to fight Batman, why? What 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 did that serve and how did it lead up to that? At at what point are you going, oh, this makes sense, and it's because he wants to do this or this kind of thing? What uh, how did it make sense? How? There was no reason to it except that it was a tired old cliche that Snyder thought, oh, let's just toss that in. Or maybe it was Bob's idea. I mean, who knows? But there was no reason for it at all, at all, at all. It just did not fit, and it was stupid. And then there's Doomsday. (laughs) What? I I, I have nothing. (laughs) It it just... (laughs) From the, the concept to the actually creating it in the ship was I keep going back to nonsensical bullshit that just makes no sense whatsoever and then results in a just let's just create a villain let's just we need to have a powerful villain that these three can go up against at the end because the fight from Batman versus Superman is not enough that's yes, that's in the title, but we need something else that'll bond them that will bring Wonder Woman into the front because, hey, a woman that they can make comments about later on of the best lines in the movie. But I'm sure Bob came up with this. Is she with you? I thought she was with you. There were so many of those tired reused lines throughout the whole film. The only thing that they got right that I enjoyed was not only a the casting of Gadot there in there, but that sly grin that mm-hmm. she gets when she's fighting and is diving into battle. That is Wonder Woman. That she is a warrior and she likes it. And so give her someone to hit with a sword or punch and she is having fun. And I and she played it beautifully. I mm-hmm. love those moments. That was it. Out of literally the entire movie. Out of two and a half hours. Lex giving a candy to the dude and forcing it in his mouth and then licking his fingers. And Wonder Woman grinning before jumping into battle. There was nothing, nothing else that I enjoyed. I, I, I just, I mean, yeah. Alfred, not bad, but... But no, he's like two Michael. years older than Bruce. Yeah, and he's no Michael Caine. I mean, Caine just did such an amazing job, and he mm-hmm. kind of became that character. Same as Morgan Freeman being Fox. It just, it was so well done, so well casted, that it just, now I'm I'm going to be gauging most characters against that. And yeah, Irons just wasn't old enough. There, to, there was no father figure feeling there at all. At all, at all, at all. It was more just buddies kind of thing. It, there were too many things. And, and that's important because those moments where Alfred is not just the father figure, but an older voice of reason as well that we get at different points. But an older voice of reason that still knows his place. He's, he's, not, he's not the father. So he's not trying to be, 
but he'll throw lines every once in a while that kind of just, just kind of skirt around that, but then we'll shut up and leave. And that's not what we have here. He tries, but it's so poorly written that it doesn't come off like that. It's just, again, it didn't work at all at all. Affleck as Batman, as older Batman, Was not my least least favorite thing in the movie. That's 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 a low bar, but okay. Yeah, I mean, could he pull off a Batman movie? Yes, but there'll be way too much brooding. And yes, Batman broods a lot, but not this much. (laughs) Okay, and there were the there was too much in the movie where it's like. I'm only buying him as Bruce because that's what it says on the freaking movie posters. You know, otherwise, not really, not really. I I, I don't buy him as a character. He's not, he's not driven enough. He always looks like he just woke up from a nap or he needs to lay down for a nap. It, it, It didn't come off as a confident powerful character even though you get the mandatory scenes of him without his shirt to prove that he isn't chunky that he's actually ripped those didn't work for me don't tell me bruce wayne can't afford a better gym i actually thought that was i it was one of those where i looked at him and thought oh that's interesting they're going old school oh, yeah it was, fun, it was like I, I i don't buy it but uh, that's kind of cute but it was again scenes that were forced in just to show him without his shirt on for for you know for effect and also just to prove that he actually you know I'm sure Affleck said listen I didn't work out for a year for nothing <laughs> you're putting this in the movie I'm reminded of the Galaxy Quest scene see you managed to get your shirt off yeah so but I mean I really didn't it, it I'd have to see it in a better movie that's what it boils down to to decide whether or not it can work because here the lines were so bad and he was freaking pouting the entire goddamn time that it just was annoying as crap. And then we have what's his face as Superman. I didn't like him in Man of Steel and I don't like him here. Again, when your Superman is brooding and pouting so much that it makes Batman seem chipper, you're doing something wrong. And that's what this was. It was just constant brooding, moping about. I mean, the only time he smiles is when he's about to nail Lois in the bathtub, which yet another scene where I'm watching this going, what was the purpose of this? This is again, I keep going back to sleazy old white producers saying, make sure you have a scene of her in the bathtub, a scene of her naked because there's no point to it. There's no point whatsoever. And you're going like, come on, seriously, this could have been done still in a romantic kind of fashion. If that's what you had to go for, but it just did not fit. It was stupid. So no, I, I, I just didn't, I don't like him as Clark or Superman. I don't feel that it's a good fit. I'm sure that he as an actor could probably play it if he was allowed to be that mm-hmm. character and smile and be that voice of hope for people and all that, then yeah, I think he could pull it off, but he's not given that choice, that chance, I should say. And then all of the extras, I mean, really? I, 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 I didn't know until a couple days ago that the photographer in the desert with Lois, that was Jimmy Olsen. Who yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Olsen for the two CIA? minutes of screen times and got killed. Because he works for the CIA? <laughs> as, as Zack Snyder says, they weren't going to use Jimmy as part of any of the storytelling, so they figured they'd just do something fun with him. Ser- you're serious? Oh, my God. Dead serious. Oh, makes sense. Let's be honest. They, they realized, well, we, we don't need Jimmy Olsen for the story, so we might as well put him in the movie somewhere. But again, as a CIA agent? Because the fans will like that Jimmy Olsen was in the movie. Oh, my God. Okay, well, that... <sighs> pile that onto the stupidity. <laughs> G- yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I again, all of the extras that were in as well. Lawrence Fishburne was still good. I no, I didn't think so. I, I liked him. I no, no. When you have scenes where I, he, he was a, does he not was have, bad at his job, he was horrible of his job. I liked him as an actor, but here that, that might have something to do with it. <laughs> that's the only reason why he was passable here, because as the character goes and what you're watching was utter stupidity that he put up with that much crap from a, a writer, one of his writers, that mm-hmm. not even his top writer, that he'd put up with this kind of crap. And it was like, nah, no, I don't buy that. It, it just felt stupid. And uh, what's her name? Um, Holly, um, what the hell is her name? Yeah. She was a senator. Yeah, she was a junior senator. It wasn't she? Some damn thing. And oh, Again, <laughs> completely just. Oh, come on, the jar of piss was the best part of the movie. That was the one thing that you're like, (laughs) okay, well, whatever. Although they should have had her head take a sip of it, honestly. Just if you're going to go that route, go go all the way. If you're going to go that far, you might as well take the last step. Yeah. So, and that whole scene too, you're like, oh, for crying out loud. Yeah. Especially when we're having terrorist bombings all the bloody time now. That scene just was put in to elicit that emotional response based on our reality, not based on what's going on in the movie. And and here's the thing, like that scene encapsulates just how stupid the storytelling is, because the point of that scene was for Lex to so distrust for Superman, like, oh, look, Superman went to the Senate and it blew up. Because that's a thing Superman does is cause explosions out of nowhere. Like it, it, it and he killed his freaking assistant. Yes. <laughs> the process. That, that pissed me off. Like later on, I was like, wait a minute, where's she was in the freaking Senate building? Yeah. <laughs> How do you kill off Mercy? Like the one person that Lex Luthor actually trusts and he blew her up. I'm trying to think if there was anything else. I, th- I th- there definitely was because I, I... <laughs> you're, you're going to be like me. You're going to finish recording. You go, oh, my God, I forgot so much stuff. Yeah. And and see, the other thing, too, that, that really irked me, and I'll, I'll end with this. Whether it's the directors or producers insisting on it, we have to stop with the flashback sequences of the Batman oh. origin. It was very important because how else are we supposed to know that Bruce's mom's name was Martha? Everybody knows this. It 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 needed to be in the movie. It could have been put somewhere else, somehow else. It did not I have to be. You. I just love playing devil's advocate. That scene. I was saying on Twitter too, and it's true. You could literally, when such a scene starts up in a Batman movie, and you can play this game along with this game, the next Batman movie, because it's bound to happen again, you could close your eyes and literally call shot for shot what's going to happen because we've seen this so many times before, right down to the pearls breaking and hitting the ground. All of it. You could probably time it. I'd be willing to bet you'd be close to 90% right on time with that scene. We've seen it too many times. Enough. Enough. You don't need it. You're not a brilliant cinematographer, director, everything for finding a slightly more original way of telling this. Oh, the pearls got stuck in the gun. That'll be different. Screw you, buddy. A, it wouldn't happen. It's not possible. It's (laughs) completely nonsensical. And it just, you could have gotten away with just the shot hitting the, the necklace and that causes it. I mean, again, it just, it didn't work. It did not work. It, we don't need to see it again. We're gonna. Oh, we are. We are. I'm sure Affleck's planning it already for the the, the Batman movies. He's as a matter done. of fact, this movie was so well received. Warner Brothers has added two more DC movies to its lineup. What's funny is that a lot of people. Well, sorry, the people who liked this movie were very quick to point out how much money it made its opening weekend. Mm -hmm. And that's good, but you have to understand it made that much movie 
because it's Batman versus Superman. They've been marketing the crap out of this for years and people were going to go see it. They had not yet heard that it was bad. What they're not as quick to point out is that the second weekend... <laughs> not even the second weekend. This movie had the biggest drop from Friday to Sunday within the same weekend in history. Oh, I, yeah. I went to a major theater in the middle of South Florida, okay, on a Saturday afternoon on a holiday weekend, and my theater was half empty. Yeah. I didn't realize it dropped during the weekend. I know that yes. the following weekend because it plummeted. After Friday, everybody was projecting it to do like these ungodly numbers. And then once the weekend was over and it was nowhere near those numbers. Yeah. So anybody who really liked it, hey, good for you. If you enjoyed yeah. it, Listen, hey, that's good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to piss on your parade. Enjoy the movie. I have loved plenty of bad movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so have I. I will still watch bad superhero movies because there's something in them that I still kind of enjoy. Sure, whatever. But again, you have to still be able to be critical about things that you enjoy and separate it from your enjoyment. You can still enjoy it, but accept that, okay, these parts were really freaking stupid, but I still like the movie. That's fine, but don't come back to us and call us idiots because we don't quote unquote get it and then, and then say, well, obviously the people like it because look at all the sales that it's doing, but then don't mention that it did crap immediately afterward because vo- people started talking about it. And in all it, honesty, it's I because w- of the evil collusion between critics that wanted to see this movie. Oh fail. God. Yeah. Don't even get me started on people bitching about the critics. <laughs> God. No, in this case here, it's not just the critics who were slamming on it because it's a superhero show. No, it was just bad. And the thing, too, is that even the the the, the amount of money that it is still making <laughs> at this point is not because of the, um, the, the, the marketing that led to it and people being excited to it. At this point, a large part of the money that they're making from this is people needing to see if it's actually this uh-huh. bad. It's that. Because when the movie was coming out, I was like, okay, of course I have to go see it. And then once I found out how bad it was, I actually wanted to see it more. <laughs> so that's why. And and again, there's, there's points where you have to... You, 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 you can break from what the majority of people say about something and say, no, listen, I disagree. And hell, we do that all the time. A lot of the things that we talk about, be it on this podcast or the other podcast, sometimes, you know, people love it and we're like, nope. And here's why. And and it's fine if you agree or disagree. Look no further than about an hour ago when we talked about a comic that we love yeah. but didn't like. Yeah. But there's a point where you have to accept (laughs) when there is an overwhelming number of people saying very intelligent things about what is wrong with the film that you kind of have to stop trying to make it out to be a lot smarter than what it actually is or some grandiose reflection of what is wrong with the world right now. No, it's just (laughs) crap. And that's that's what this was. I should stop there because we're like so way late and yeah. But there's more. There I I, I there was other points. I I've just have luckily, thanks to medication, forgotten some of the things that really irked me. <laughs> I could remember it by reading oh over gosh. those tweets again, but let's just move on. We have to do a live commentary on this movie when it comes out on DVD. I don't want to watch it again. I really don't. Oh, come on. Get a couple drinks. It would take more than just a couple. (laughs) You can watch the director's cut version, which makes more sense. There were scenes where, and you talked about this too. Oh, Jesus. You're you're just going to keep it talking. Where where you had talked about, Lex, how you needed to see some other also bad scenes to make sense of it. And what was funny is that as I'm watching it, I'm realizing the spots where you're talking about that because I'm going, (laughs) how does that make sense? What the hell happened there? There's there's a scene missing uh, to explain what's going on here, and it's like I haven't watched those scenes because I I've I don't need to. I do not want to see any more of this show, and arguments about it are just again because people are still freaking defending it, and you're going like, really? No, <laughs> you're you're really 
there's there's a point where I will say, listen, enjoy whatever you want to listen to or enjoy whatever you want to enjoy. But then if you're going to keep fighting and trying to convince me that it's a lot smarter than I am, then I'm just going to straight up say, listen, you're you're a jackass. Stop talking. You're, every time you open your mouth about this, you're making yourself sound stupider and stupider. And I know that's not really how you would say that with words, but I'm done. I'm done. I'm I feel a little bit better getting it out, though. I will say that much. Yeah. You're going to sleep better tonight. Probably. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us on this episode of Roger Yells About Bad Movies. Uh, Since we're recording late anyway, we might as well pass on the new releases because the comics are already out. If you're really interested in seeing, uh, you can find the show notes at comicbookinformer.com. If you'd like to tell Roger what you thought of Batman versus Superman and why it actually is a fantastic movie and he's missing out, tweet us at CBinformer. But until next week, thanks for listening. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.